Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of Down to Earth. Today is December 4th. And just last night on CNN, we saw where the vice president-elect and the vice and the president-elect had a wide-ranging discussion on how they plan to proceed for the next 100 days. And I know there's a lot of talk about progressives wanting more representation in terms of leadership and so on. And I'm sort of like on the fence about that. I'm like, can we get in first before we talk about all that? And certainly the cabinet has not been done forming, but as the president elect said, you have to exercise prudence. You can always put people in position, but what if you can't get anyone else around them to cooperate with them? Then it becomes a moot point. How do you get people to cooperate with them, then you can't get anything done. So you have to temper the urgency, the language. I recognize the urgency because I'm a person of color like everybody else. And naturally you want systemic racism uprooted. I feel that. But at the same time, we have to temper that language. Not because we need to, but because we want to get it out And the people who are still in power have the vestiges of wanting to retain power. And in order to get that done, we're going to have to walk around it. I can see his leadership style. So that's going to be interesting, how that works out. But what I want to talk to you about today is that police in Mississippi want to use your security camera footage, if you can believe that. Can you absolutely believe that? It's the weirdest thing ever. They want to connect to your ring cam and your home security camera in order to have access to the footage. Uh, The police department in Jackson, Mississippi, apparently Jackson is having this situation with crime. No, no, no. I mean, it doesn't take much to imagine why that could be. I mean, tell me, why is there crime anywhere in America? Systemic racism, poverty. Those are the issues. And yet, the police says they don't have the tools to fight crime. I was reading an article a couple of days ago that says that the police are overfunded by almost a trillion dollars, the police departments all over the country. Where's that money going? You know where the money is going? To pay salaries and to pay pensions. How come the police constantly say they can't fight crime? They never fight crime. Crime everywhere in America is on the increase. They fuddle with the numbers. They reclassify some cases so that it doesn't appear that homicides are on the rise. Homicides against women and children are, have been on the rise. Homicides against people of color are on the rise. But the police continue to say that they don't have the tools to fight crime. Then where are you getting all this military expenditure, this militarization of the police, where they're weird riding into communities in SWAT-type vehicles like they're the military? That's where the money is going. But the money, the police's intent is not to fight crime. Because if crime is down, then you don't need so many police officers. So if they don't fight crime, then it justifies people saying, oh, my God, you have to get crime under control. So you hire more police officers. That's not helping the issue. 
the current crop of police who are there are still not fighting crime. But you know what they're good at doing? Pulling people over, driving behind you on the streets and highways and neighborhood streets, giving you a ticket, writing you a ticket for a tag, writing you a ticket, and they are going to justify it by saying, you know how many criminals we have apprehended? And I'm like, good luck to you. What about stopping violence? What about getting the guns off the street? What about getting drugs? You don't even know how to penetrate a drugs gang. So when you hear the police say that they need more tools to fight crime, I think that message needs to be toned down and to be tempered. Why? Because you don't. You have all the tools you need to have. You have access to wide-ranging technology if you need to. What you really need to do is to actually do the work. And here in Jackson, what we're seeing in Jackson, Mississippi, is that people are saying they want more tools to fight crime. Like the rest of us are rolling our eyes, like you have 10 police officers. Can you go out there and investigate? Maybe if you start patrolling the streets a little bit more, people will be less inclined to commit petty crime. If they know the police are going to show up there, it's a deterrent, right? Just like you're driving on the street and you see a police car, we all suddenly become model drivers. Yeah, well, show up sometimes in those neighborhoods. Just drive around, park the police car, park the cruiser, and just sit there. You don't even have to do much to deter crime. Just show up. But the police don't do that. They're in their precincts, watching porn on their phones, making fun of people, being on Facebook, looking at what people are saying. That's what they're doing. Police in Jackson, Mississippi, and I'm, and I'm a fan of the police. Sure, until you start defending crime. I mean, are you really fighting crime? Are you using the tools that you have? Now they want access to your ring security camera, your, your doorbell security camera footage. I'm not sure that that's a good idea. And here is why. That's privacy. You know, you're at home. Think about this. You're at home. Let me play the scenario. You're at home. You are watching. You're watching TV or you're on your porch, sipping your beer. You pass the beer to your child for them to have their first sip. You are watching porn, whatever you do inside your home. The police have access to your camera. Why is that not an issue? They see some guy coming up your, they start looking at him. That's somebody visiting your house. What does that have to do with anybody? Do you see what I'm saying? I don't think that it's a good idea. I think the police need to do what they need to do to fight crime, but I don't believe they should have access to my security camera. In Jackson, the city council, the mayor has authorized it. He's about to get approval from the city council because a pastor had died a few months, about a year ago. And the way he was gunned down, apparently they have not found the killer. Shocker, they never find who kills anybody. Try not to get killed because it's going to leave your family and friends in a quandary for the rest of time trying to figure out what exactly happened. Because the police do not fight crime. So because this, that's the justification they're using to say why. So there's this firm. That I can't say their name on it. But they make cameras for the police department. And according to them, the cameras are smart cameras. So unless you give permission to the police to have access, there is a click in their modem that you can switch it off so the police can have access to your security camera footage. What if you forget to turn it back off? So let's say something was happening. And when it was happening, you told the police that between 3 and 5 p.m. something happened. 
you can have access to my camera. But then you forgot to turn it off at five. Here comes your boy, your son, sitting on the porch drinking beer, or your daughter is having her first drink on your porch. The police cannot say you're committed a crime because the kid is under under 21. Think about that, right? You might be coming home with from Walmart or Target with, with a TV, and then they might want to think that you didn't buy the TV. No, no, let the police go and fight their own crime. Let me, let me show you what they're saying. So the mayor, the police want to live stream from your security camera. I would opt out of that. In fact, I have opted out. I don't know that if something happens, I would like, I would submit to them the evidence of what happened. But I don't know that I am going to give them. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's my thing. So uh, they're having a bit of a time. Civil liberties advocates are worried about the privacy concerns, as you should. But Jackson, Mississippi is not the only uh, uh, city in the country that's having this issue. It's happening right here in Detroit as well. The police have put up specific cameras around town on certain businesses and so on. As a business owner, I would put it up because I want safety. But I don't want you to take pictures of the people coming into my business because I don't know if you're not going to sell that footage to my competitor. But the times that we live in dictate that you want to monitor who is coming in because not everybody is coming in just to do business with you. Some people are nefarious, right? And so you want to, in the event that those nefarious activities come to fruition, you want to be able to take care of that. But in the meantime, though, I'm sort of sitting here thinking, do I really want the police to police all of my activities? So when I'm going out at night through the back door of my business, do I want the police to see that? You see what I'm saying? That's my issue, right? And I think most of us hesitate on just that part. I mean, a few, I think it was about last year or maybe the year before here in Livonia, Michigan, people were giving the police access to their doorbell cameras. And they were like gone cold about that. You know, they were like, oh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. We can do that. That's just something that we do, blah, 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 blah. And the rest of us were like, I think I'm going to take a, a, a check on that. I think I would. Simply because what does it make? Isn't that a violation of your privacy? Let me ask you this. It's live streaming. At the same time that you're providing them access to that footage, what if something else is going on in your home that you don't want the police to know? It could be anything. I don't know. Maybe somebody get up and walk around naked. Maybe somebody get up and uh, or it's coming to visit you, but you don't want that captured on camera. You would want the privacy and retain the privacy of that. How would that work? This is the issue. These are privacy concerns and they're legitimate concerns because we're in a void where the police are is trying to tell us, despite the resources they have, despite how much money they have been given, that they still can't fight crime. And the rest of us are asking, then how come these loser criminals are running around keeping the rest of us hostage? How is that working? The police has this vast network of 100 million cars. They have so many cars, if something goes wrong with them. There are police cars, you have guns, you have firepower, you have manpower something goes wrong, the police can radio and ask for others to come and join them in the fight against crime. How is it that one little criminal, two little guy with two guns, is able 
to this, this effect and is able to influence crime and, and to perform criminal activities and the police can't find these people. I've never understood that. I've watched enough Criminal Minds episode to see that we're, they're not investigating stuff. They're not following up on leads because they don't want to do the work. Because if they do the work, then look, they won't have a job. What is the justification? Does it sound like I'm bashing the police? I am asking hard questions that I think you guys need to answer. You are fighting crime because some of the, look, if you live in any neighborhood and you call the police, they show up and they give you a statement and they say, yes, we are on top of it. Nothing ever happens. Call them back two days later. Nothing happens. Why? How? With all the cameras we have floating around, you still can't find somebody who robbed somebody's house. Think about that. You still can't figure out who killed somebody. After you've taken all the witness statements, you still can't figure out who killed them. Oh, you can, but you can't bring a case. How? You can't bring a case. And you've investigated. You see what I'm saying? These are the questions that we are asking the police to provide, that we, the public, are asking the police to provide answers to. But we notice. When black people were protesting in the streets, the police were all over that. You were beating people with clubs and batons to protect property and to protect the peace, weren't you? But when people get killed in the streets, when women are raped, when seniors and elders are attacked in their homes and man manhandled and raped, you don't have any you don't have any resources to solve the crime. Someone gets killed and it's like, oh well, just another person died. Big deal, and it's over. But you have military, uh, the military equipment. You have Humvees and SWAT equipment. For who? Who are do? You, who are you equipped for? You're expecting an invasion? Who? I watched in shock last summer how the police in Detroit were so equipped downtown and were so ready to turn on protesters with SWAT equipment. I was shocked. I was like, oh, my God. But you can't get the same police to go in the neighborhoods and root out the criminals. You can't get the police to get the drugs off the street. You can't get the police to come and investigate who is firing shots and who is murdering. But you have equipment to show up downtown to shoot on unarmed people. But the few gunmen, the few people who are firing shots that you can put down in a zip code based on it, you can identify which neighborhoods you are not going in there to haul their asses out. But you are ready to shoot on, on our protesters. Do you see the problem? That, that, that This is the dichotomy that is there. And this is our dilemma. That dilemma right there. Who are the police policing? I am not giving you access to my security camera footage. Because I don't know who is coming to. I don't want you to know what is going on at my house. I don't want you to sit in the precincts and have big screens up where you're watching what is going on in people's homes, how many times they go to the grocery store, hmm, how much do they earn, how come they're buying all of that. I don't want you to pay attention to that. Next thing you start putting me under surveillance to see all kinds of surveillance activities that I'm going on with at my house. No, go out and do the job that you're getting paid to do. The police are wonderfully paid. They're not underpaid. It's just like I was reading a story a couple months ago on Native American women in Oregon and, and Northern California who have been killed and no investigations. And, and what they say has happened is that in those areas, they're so remote that there are sheriff's deputies who have wide areas of the county to patrol. And those areas are like uninhabited. So, you know, you have wide areas of vast land where nothing happens. 
And I'm like, and so what do you prefer to do? Go back to the precinct and drink your coffee and, and caress your balls? Or are you going to actually get out there and start asking questions? In those cases, when they ask for reinforcements or ask for help, it's justified. You can't have 200, you know, a thousand square miles and you have one cop doing that. But here in urban areas, in concentrated, hear what I'm saying. Here in urban areas, in concentrated urban areas, you have police with access not doing the job that, that, that is supposed to happen. You have the equipment. If you get on the radio and you say, officer down, or if you get on the phone and say, officer needs help, there are like 5,000 police guards in the vicinity that can respond to you. How can you not fight crime? If you are investigating, I found out in Detroit, they didn't have enough detectives. And I'm like, but the ones were there. You have a population of over 500,000 people. You should have at least 500 detectives. That doesn't take rocket science to see that, does it? If you have at least 500 detectives, what does that tell you? Crime is going to be solved, isn't it? But why do you only have 50 detectives? You do, there are so many people in the police department at the bottom. Why aren't you promoting them up? You don't want them to have the glory? You don't think that that's effective policing? You don't think that that is going to make it work? The police has a whole cybersecurity unit. I hope they do. I know they do. And I hope do. So they're able to watch security cameras and so on. But what about the cops who are driving around and patrolling? What about them? There are enough of them. Let them go out. Drive up and down in the neighborhoods where you know that there is crime and you will see how it goes down. Because I'll tell you this much I've learned about human nature. Nobody wants to lose their freedom. Nobody wants to be caught doing something when the police show up. I was married to a very violent, abusive man. He was as controlling as you could get. He thought he was big and bad. You know, every bad man thinks he's big and bad until the cops show up. The police show up, and all of a sudden, he's a choir boy. No, I didn't do anything, but unknown to him, the police have a profile. They looked at him, they looked at me, and they could tell which one right away was the aggressor. Boom, slapped the cuffs on, and he was gone. It contained him because now he knows the police will show up. Do you see what I'm saying? So if the police continue to show up, it is a deterrent to fight crime. But the police don't show up. You call the police and they're taking minutes and hours to show up. Why? Why? You have you drive past the precinct and there are 40 police cars parked out there. So you're not short of officers. You're not short of boots on the ground. What you have is a bureaucracy that says if we go out and fight crime and crime rates go down, then the people will say there are too many police officers. That's what your thinking is. So in the meantime, the public suffers. The public pays the price for that. We get beaten up. We get attacked. We live in fear. We are traumatized because the criminals think that they have the upper hand. There's no doubt about it. There are too many guns on the street. We have too many lax gun laws. There are too many guns out there. I've talked endlessly about that. It, it, it's almost as if Jesus, the, you have more, the, the criminals have more guns than the cops do. The criminals have AR-15s. They have AK-47s. I'm like AR-15s with heat sensors. Those should be guns that you use when you're fighting war, not when you're fighting, you're in neighborhoods. Why do the criminals have those guns and the police don't have them? So there is no doubt about it that while we are working to correct gun laws, at the same time, though, 
We need the boots on the ground in the cars, behind in the police cars, behind the wheels, driving those suckers into neighborhoods and maintaining a presence, blocking streets off. You are the police. Block the streets. Sit there for half an hour to 45 minutes and watch every bad man run. It's the most interesting thing to me. Everybody has an attitude and it's big and bad until those blue lights show up. You ever notice? The blue lights show up and all of a sudden everybody's, yes, officer, no officer. The most wicked person who just raped somebody, the person who just murdered somebody. The police need to show up in neighborhoods. Do not rely on people's security camera footage to fight crime. That's not effective. What you need to do is to hover. You know how in today's world, crime is cyber crime, right? Okay. So they police our cameras. They police our cell phones, not the local cops, but the other people, the ones you don't see. So they're behind the cameras in our, you know, in our computers and so on. The police perhaps need to do that. You need to be on scene. You can drive around in unmarked cars through a neighborhood. They don't know what that is. They're standing on a corner talking. You just drive up. They don't know who you are. You're just sitting there. That's police. That's policing. That's effective policing. Effective policing is not going to where protesters are and shooting into the crowd. Whether you're using rubber bullets or anything else, it's still a projectile when it happens. It's not cool, okay? It's not cool. And I'm a little disappointed that that was a tactic the Detroit police did. For all the years that I have supported the Detroit police, I'm a little taken aback that I had to watch as you did that on unarmed protesters. I'm not talking about the people who thought they could charge into you. That's your job. That's public safety. I'm talking about people just demonstrating you felt like that was something you should do. Meanwhile, over on Mac and Connor, over on Joy Road and Southfield, over on Joy Road and Schoolcraft, where are you at? Where are you? Where are you when people are being raped, when women and children can't drive into a gas station? and buy gas without some guy thinking it's okay for him to come in and shoot the place up. What I'm saying is if you have a police presence, it is a severe deterrent to crime, so much so that you will need access to people's security camera footage. I am sure that if something happens in any neighborhood, that if you were to go to the citizens and the residents of that neighborhood, and you ask them for access to their security camera, they will give it to you for that time. But the problem is, will you always have access to it? If something happens, sure, I'll give it over. But I don't want you to have access to me all the time. I don't want you to be streaming all the time who comes and goes out of my house. That's too lazy for me. That's just not effective for me. What is effective is when the shots are fired and people call 911 and say shots fired, you show up and you show up with 100 cars. You don't show up with some guy who is on a break and who was watching porn on his phone or he was playing with his uh, partner and they were just fooling around in the car and all of a sudden they're lazy to go do something because that's the actual work. Sometimes I wonder if there's security camera inside the car on the officers who are driving. Because seriously, seriously, we have to think about this. We have to think about the modern ways of policing I know that you still think that you need a violent persona to be able to effectively manage it, but people have changed and the society has changed. 
And whilst we have normalized a lot of dysfunction, to be honest with you, at the same time, policing needs to catch up with the 21st century. They're not out there always shooting. That Those are the ones who just got out of jail and they're loud and proud and they're angry <laughs> and so on, right? They just want to make noise and they need to go back to jail. Those people do need not have their freedom, right? But policing has changed. What about the scammers? You know how many of us are suffering from identity theft? You know how many of us they have scammed and have access to our credit cards or debit cards or bank accounts? What are you guys doing about that? That's a silent crime. Do you know we're paying the price for it? Do you know how many of them are stealing stuff when we work hard and we order stuff? They're stealing stuff. Do you know how many people have lost their cars? Hard-working folk who just bought a car and you have lost your car because some guy decided that he wants your navigation system out of, out of your car to go sell it for $100. You have lost your car. He destroys your car to get to the navigation system so he can get $100. Do you see what I'm saying? This is why we say that we need to, to, to look at what's really going on in, in, in criminals and crime to be able to understand where the resources need to be allocated. You see what I mean? Because when you look at somebody who is going to steal, a petty thief, who comes and robs someone, that's a problem. With, that's not just violence. You know what that is? Poverty, right? Similarly, somebody who steals your car and smashes the window to get to the navigation system out of the car, that's also poverty. So when you look at that, you say, well, this is happening in these zip codes, these neighborhoods, and so on. That's something for the political representatives and the policymakers to go look at addressing that. What the police can do there is maintain a police presence. That's the one thing I don't see a lot, is the police presence. You don't always have to be loud and proud with the blue lights. You can also be silent with your unmarked cars, watching people. There are many people who are doing things that they should not be doing. People are, are selling stuff from their homes. They're scammers. They scam people's credit cards, buy stuff that gets delivered to their homes using people's credit cards, and then they distribute it out of their home. How come nobody's seeing all that stuff? How come nobody's paying attention to that? So you want to sit in a precinct instead of going out there and making sure that bad actors who are on the streets driving and going crazy like this, Driving through neighborhoods because they just stole somebody's car. Driving on freeways, you don't want to police that. You don't want to police the people driving on streets. You want to sit back and watch from, from a camera. No, we still need the two-pronged system. You need the presence, and you need to have the people on the cybersecurity side. That's the two-pronged system that will work. Yes, you do, because the criminals are more sophisticated than when you joined the force 20 years ago. You might as well wake up. Today's criminals, you need today's young police officers who can tell you, no, dude, what they're doing <laughs> is this. You need to listen to the young police officers because they know, because it's their generation. They know what their tendencies are and what they're likely to do. They grew up with them. They heard them talk. They know what they will do. You can't just be 45 and 50 and think that, man, the way we've always done it is the way it works. And this is, it doesn't work like that anymore. 
they're different. They're using AR-15s out there, heat-seeking, <laughs> heat, uh, guns with heat sensors. I'm like, what in God's name is that? Just recently, a rapper was killed in Detroit. That sounds like an internal dispute between him and the people who did that. And I'm like, the minute I heard that, I said, he took somebody something. And that something is drugs. I said, when you hear those kinds of things, you know exactly what it is. That's an easy crime to solve. That should not be an unsolved crime for the next 10 years. That should be easy to solve. You can't have a city with over 500,000 people and only 50 detectives or 49. You need 500 detectives. They need to be assigned to zip codes. <laughs> they need to have a certain area that they too go sit down and, and just observe what, they, what the people are doing. I, I kid you not, people are afraid of the police, but are you there for them to see you? If they don't see you, they don't fear you. Just like God, nobody has seen God or can see God. So nobody fears God. They're like, who? I don't see him. So same thing with the police. They don't see you. They don't fear you. Just show up with your blue lights. All of a sudden, everybody is Mr. Dog. Everybody's yes, sir. No, sir. Maybe so, sir. But if you are not there, they're like, oh, it tells us that we need more effective policing strategies than we are using right now. And I don't know that incorporating uh, uh, strategies from the military is necessarily going to work because policing is about community, right? Policing is it's like here in Detroit. The Detroit police seem to have a pretty good working relationship with the people in Detroit. When the police show up, the people are not, you know, uh, they'll tell the police, hey, he did this, blah, blah, blah. The people have a good work because I think maybe they trust them. They feel like the police, they are not just going to come in and spray the place with bullets. Nobody's asking for that. That's counterproductive. But what we're asking for is police presence, especially now. They're senior citizens. It's Christmas. Seniors are getting their uh, Social Security checks through to the 18th, I think. And the 22nd, some get it on the 22nd, some get it on the 18th. It started from the 1st of December. You need to be out there to make sure that the seniors who go have to go pick up their meds, they have to go pick up their little groceries, they're going to go to the store, and they're going to call <clears throat> their, uh, you know, their little, uh, their relatives, their grandchildren to come. I got a little something, baby, come and pick it up. We need to ensure that seniors are protected. We know that women work. There are more women working. Stop pulling people over. Will you? You see a woman with children in her car going to work, trying to drop the kids off at school, trying to make it to work on time. Are you going to pull her over and give her a ticket? Meanwhile, the real criminal who is beating her up last night is scot-free. You ain't pulling him over. You're not coming to show up. <clears throat> he probably has a few felonies out there, probably has a bench warrant out. You see what I'm saying? We need, you, you need to, we're still policing like we're in the 90s, whereas we're in the 21st century. The people born in 1991, 1992, who are committing crime today are way more sophisticated. You, giving you access to my ring camera is not going to solve anything. It's not going to have you live streaming so you have a whole bank of cameras and they're all live streaming. That's not 
that's not cool. No, that's not cool. You just want to see what is going on. Go out there and have some presence. And you will see what on earth is going on. As for Jackson, I think they have approved the, the, the access to it and buying those cameras that people can put in their homes and those modems that you can switch on and off. And as for me, I know I'm not going to remember. So uh, I'm going to leave it on. So you're going to see me walking around in my house. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> Just no. When something happens, yes, send out an email and say, hey, something happened in your area. We would appreciate if you could provide us with access so we can see what happened to help, you know, to help find the perpetrator. Okay, well, we're all going to say, okay, sure. All right, what do you want to see? They'll even, people will, some people will even call you into their home and say, yeah, you know, I don't want to talk about the guy over there. That's community policing. That works. Developing an effect, and, and many neighborhoods have that, a neighborhood police officer, developing an effective camaraderie and a line of communication between the folks in the neighborhood and the police is vital. They will tell you, because sometimes they know which family member it is that is doing it. But it's not enough to just sit back and wait on the cameras. Dude, you got to go out there. You got to be in the neighborhoods. It's not about showing all your military equipment that, look, I got all the big... You don't have the guns that these criminals have. These criminals have guns that are unbelievable. I got to pause to take a comment from someone. I quit saying things like defund the police as if people are going to understand what that means. If your CEO calls a meeting saying he's going to defund their group, what comes to mind? Absolutely. I agree with that. Stop saying things like defund the police. That's not, that's not what it means. You can't defund the police. If there is no policing mechanism, the criminals will have all of us on their heads. They will come into our homes. They will take your stuff out. They will take you out and live in your homes because then you don't have any police. Let's be clear about that. I don't believe in defunding the police. I believe in the proper allocation of resources, right? If, 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 if as, as my, my, my uh, viewer is saying, if somebody comes in and says, if your CEO comes into your group and say defund the group, what does that mean? That means you won't exist. No, we don't need to defund the police. What we do need to ask the police for is accountability. We need to say to the police, you have been given over a trillion dollars. You have all the equipment. You have all of this. Can you now go fight crime? Can you now make sure those numbers go down? Can you now make sure homicides are investigated so that they don't just kill people and say, oh, it's just another person I just killed and it's gone? We have a problem in our society. The problem we have in our society, maybe back in the day, our grandparents were sending young people to, to, into the military. Maybe it helped then. That's why young people then didn't commit as many crimes as they do today. Young people today have way too much time on their hands. They're the ones who are getting killed and who are killing. Have you ever watched the average age of someone being shot? They're between 18, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 30. 30 is kind of the end of the scale, the spectrum. Very, very old. They're 25, 26-year-old, 21-year-old, 24-year-old, 23-year-old, 27-year-old, 28-year-old. Their whole idea of solving an issue and solving any kind of dispute is, is to fire guns, makes them feel empowered. Yeah, we know that socialization and so on, but what was going on in the home? That's not the police's problem. They're there to solve the crime. 
Lock them up. Take them away. Take them downtown so that they can understand that you didn't listen to your mother, didn't listen to your grandma, didn't listen to your father. Now you come in contact with the final authority. That's why it's important to have the police. People have to feel that there is an accountability mechanism. Without that sense of accountability, it doesn't work. But the police, on the other hand, need to do their jobs of making sure that they have a presence in the community so that people can know if you fall short of what you should do, you are going to pay the price and there is an accountability required. You have to ask yourself the question, why do folks like you and I not commit crimes? If we wanted a thrill, some people do it for a thrill, but some people do it because it's a way of life. But for most of us, it's like, man, I can't be bothered with that. That's too much work. I have to go worry about this, worry about that. Oh, I just sit in. I like my freedom. You know what else I like? Driving down the street and being free. Driving down the street and not having to fear that I will do, that I've done something, that the police will come to look for. No. And I want, when I call them, that they know that they're speaking to someone. So they will show up. Do you see what I'm saying? This is what we need. I, we can't say it enough. I'm not focused on young people who are committing crimes. That's a whole other conversation for another day. I'm focused on the police. But there's one thing we ain't going to do. not defunding no police. That's not going to work. If that were to happen, if we were to continue that kind of conversation, then what happened to senior citizens? Can you imagine you are 80 years old and you're alive? Your children live away and you live by yourself. And you hear snappy young people running around saying defund the police. And you know that if the guy across the street, at any time, they can attack you when you're driving out to go get your groceries, you stay inside your house like a prisoner in your house. And you know if you don't call the police and you can't call the police to get some help, imagine how vulnerable women and children feel. When people say defund the police, we're like, so what happened if my boyfriend beats me up? Or what happens if I get raped or I get attacked? No, that's not the argument either. That's not the argument. Defunding the police is not that is not is not the argument. That's not the issue. The issue is getting the police to investigate crime, getting the police to actually do the job that it is supposed to do of investigating crime and making sure that we are safe, not feel safe are safe, making sure that the police use the equipment they have. They have the cars and the manpower, drive around, making sure that enough police officers who are down here at the bottom, why do you have a force of 10,000 people and and, and, nine, and about 9,990 of them are all on the bottom? Doesn't make sense. Promote them, make them detectives, put more people out there who are going to investigate. That's what we need to do, right? That's what we need to do. I don't know. I ain't giving up access to my security cameras randomly if something happens. Yeah, but not just like that, right? Uh, Let me read one more comment. Uh, People still talk about the 1994 crime bill in negative terms, not realizing the original bill called for mental health professionals in policing and social programs that Republicans were against. You know something, bro... (laughs) Let me not start with the Republicans because they're anti-everything that is societal, okay? They're seriously anti-everything that is societal. The Republicans seem to want to to always uh, 
do everything that is counterproductive to society. It, it, it looks like they want to make sure that they're the only ones who are protected. They feel so protected because they committed redlining. So they make sure that they live in neighborhoods, redlining and gerrymandering. So their social, their own social policies give them uh, protection and give them a veneer of protection around them so they don't have to be subject to the issues that people of color face, right? But let's just be clear. The, the, people, the people who talk about the 1994 crime bill did not live through that time. In, in the late 80s, from the 70s to the early 90s, crime was rampant. Crack was everywhere in the black community. People were strung out on crack. I don't think they realized they were shooting each other. Crack was everywhere. I, I don't know that I'm necessarily buying the argument that they flooded the black community with, with, with crack and that uh, having flooded the black community with crack, then people felt like they needed to, to do that. I don't know that I buy into that argument because you can't force it. To, if I don't want drugs, you, you'd have to tie my hands for me to take it. So I think people took crack because they wanted to. You still had options, but that's how you de you dealt with it. You see what I'm saying? And I don't know. I, you can't make me drink when I don't want to drink. So I don't buy the argument that the black communities were flooded with crime, with, with crack. Hence, there was a, a, a crack problem. People chose to take crack. They willingly put that thing up their noses knowing it was addictive. Why, would you, why else would you take drugs? I just want to know. Right? So the 1994 crime bill, I didn't, re I didn't even know this part about it, that the original bill had uh, mental health in inputs into it, but the Republicans were against it, and they're still against it. They're still against any form of remedial action. But the 1994 crime bill was in answer to what was going on in the community. Let us take responsibility for that. At that time, there was crime. Come on, Black people. At the time when the 1994 crime bill was written, there was crime in the Black community committed by Blacks who committed Accept it. It is what it is. Don't go blaming a white politician who was trying to fix the problem because you created the problem by taking the darn crack and shooting and killing your own people. Don't, don't go blaming anybody. Was it white people dressed in blackface coming into the black community doing this? No, it was us. Take responsibility for that. The bill was written, and it wasn't just written by white politicians. It had a lot of support from black community members. Those who were alive then, where are they? Let them come forward and talk about the issues that were happening. It's just like now. If they write a crime bill now, we're all participants in it. Because we're all going to come to it and say, you know something, this is going on and we have to do something about it. So we're not going to tell the next generation that we participated in it based on our own actions? Come on. Right? <laughs> right. You can't add garbage to the ones the can is sealed. You, you, you can't make this stuff up. We, we need, there's a point at which we need to take some sort of personal responsibility. I had a guest on my show yesterday and we talked about, and he said something, he said resilience and he's a young man. So he's not 50. He's in his thirties, but he said 
that resilience and mental toughness are skills that are disappearing from our society. I couldn't have agreed with him more. We're not teaching people coping mechanisms. We're telling them it's okay for you to feel bad. It's okay for you to feel that way. No, you, we, we need to tell young people, this is life. Bad things happen. And when it happens, this is how you sack yourself out of it. This is how you walk away from it. Instead, we're telling people that it's okay to just smoke weed. And oh, if you just take a few puffs, man, everything will just disappear. Okay. Okay. All right. Do you see what I'm saying? We need to we need to get over the 1994 crime bill because it was an answer to the crime that had been taking place in black communities. Who was committing the crimes in black communities? Black people. Was it white people dressed like black people going there to do it? You can say, well, they flooded the community with crack. Well, who told you to take the crack? If you've ever been around any child, any human being today, who evolved out of that era, who is a crack baby, come back and talk to me. You've ever had to talk to people, talk people off the ledge because they have a drug in their system that they didn't put there because their parents were cracked out, their mother was cracked out when she was pregnant. And they have to take drugs for the rest of their lives just to be normal. Come back and talk to me. That's the vestiges and that's the residue of what happened then. We must learn to accept it's ugly, it's bad, we don't like it, and we want to put it on to someone else. But we have to take responsibility that we did it. And once you have done that, it's easier for us to ratify that this is what has brought us to this place. Now we need to find a way to go from here. That's it. That's as down to earth as I can get. Thanks so much for watching. i got to go, folks. It's been a while. Stay tuned. Uh, you can go to my website, HarrietKemmer.com, as well as go to my pages on Apple, Spotify, and listen to more of my podcasts. I did a good one yesterday on resilience and mental toughness. I think that's something that we need to hear. And pray for us. Pray for all of us. As we go through corona, I'm begging you all to please be safe, will you? Will you guys please be safe? Please, please wear a mask. Please, for the love of God, protect yourselves and your loved ones. Please wear a mask. Wash your hands frequently when you come in from outdoors. Have some safety protocols in your home. Use hand sanitizer frequently. I am begging you, take care of yourselves. Don't drink, don't smoke. This is not the season for that right now. I know some days you watch the news, it's enough to make us all want to, I don't drink, but some days I'm like, I could do with a stiff one, <laughs> and I don't drink. I'm like, is this why people drink? Is this why you have to run to something, <laughs> right? But stay safe. Today is Friday. We, don't, we can't go out to party and socialize, even though it's the holiday season. Stay home. Stay safe. Thanks so much, everybody. Thanks, Brother Fuge, for your contribution. Thanks so much. Have a good weekend, everybody. Be blessed.